welcome to the Dad and Rock Podcast. This is Sean. And this is Chris. Welcome back. Another show. We're at it again. Yeah, we are. We are. Guess who's back? No. <laughs> no, actually, no, guess. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that's, that's a terrible start here. But uh, you know us. You know our standards. And if you're still listening, this is what you expect. I feel like that was a great start. But uh, let's get into it. What's been going on since last week? Oh, I mean, we've had a lot. I mean, we've had you know some things that we wanted to kind of recap on. Uh, for instance, everyone knows how my son decided to send my Switch swimming. Yes, that uh, was a lovely story. Oh, yeah, it was a terrible, terrible, <laughs> it was a tra- traumatic experience for his father. It was father. a nightmare. Uh, so, like the good father I am, and the way I spoil my children run, is I cashed in more points, one ahead, got a new one. I made sure I had a very uh, poignant talk with him about how lucky he is right? uh, that we can replace this. Because not everyone would be able to get to go without until... Can you imagine when when we were kids and we would have dropped our PlayStation in the toilet or (laughs) N64? I mean, first of all, that wouldn't happen. But I'm just saying like uh, our our parents would not have replaced it uh, within a couple weeks. Yeah, there'd have been no way. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, yeah, we went through that, and uh, I, I know I showed you that uh, my wife actually bought me the Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it looked good. I hadn't even known this uh, game existed until you showed me. Apparently, it was on the Wii U, or at least a version of it, right? Yeah, there was another version of you know this Donkey Kong in general, one of Donkey Kong countries. But uh, I looked at it, and she knew I was replacing this system, and I think she got me the actual game because I wanted it for one. Right. And two, it was a, a good boy you didn't freak out present. Oh, <laughs> you mean freak out on uh, your son as far as... Yes. Yeah, yeah just kind of care I didn't it. completely uh, fly off the handle and get upset when he actually did what he did to the first Switch. So, uh, I got a good boy gift. Well, excellent. Have you played it yet? Oh, I haven't been able to put it down. Oh, cool. I've played it, you know, on the TV the whole day. I, just, I, I haven't actually played it on the, just the handheld console because I wanted to watch you know, on the TV, and I just kind of made my wife actually sit through it, which is a part of her punishment. I made sure she knew she called this. <laughs> hey, she did it. Uh, but, I mean, outside of that, I mean... Well, I, if, if, for, for anybody who's uh, who's kind of listened before and you checked in on our uh, video games podcast or our episode there, you know that Donkey Kong Country is a big one for you and me. Does it? I mean, does it feel like the originals? Oh, everything about it. I mean, you have. There's actually one thing I got. I got to give Nintendo the, the props here. The one thing that they have done with the Switch is made this even the difficult games because Donkey Kong Country is considered a difficult game. Right. They have made it where it's kid friendly. There's actually you can play as Funky Kong. So you're going through and like his surfboard, you can land on spikes. You can fall slowly where you need to fall to oh. be able to do things. So they make it to the point where anyone can play, anyone can have a good time with it. Well, that's pretty cool. It's just like their Mario Kart. Mario Kart, they've got the driver assist. You yeah. won't fall off the board. So, I mean, there's there's little things in each of the games where they make it so the whole family can have a good time with it. Even adults that don't know what they're doing. And there's something else about this game. If you sit there and you die and you die and you die, and plus, trust me, I was dying. <laughs> Something will come up and say, you know, you gave this, you know, a great effort. You can go ahead and skip the level if you want to. Just back out, and you can go to the next level. You get a participation trophy. Absolutely. Now, I refuse to take it. I'm like, I'm stubborn. I want to beat this damn level. 
but it, it lets you go on. It doesn't make you stay in one spot until the point where you want to just break the system. See, that's cool for me because, I, like I'd mentioned before, uh, my daughter, she doesn't have a ton of experience with video games or whatever, but anytime that she, I watch her try stuff, she plays some apps and stuff on, on the tablet, um, which she kind of, you know, she loves doing, but she gets frustrated easily if she doesn't know how to do something. So any kind of assist like that that would help her out, that's uh, that's a big deal. It's a plus in my book. Yeah, yeah. No, I think Nintendo has com- thought that through pretty well where it's actually so family-friendly. Some people may not like it just for the fact that they let you move on. They don't actually force you to fail. Right, right. Um, I guess there's I guess there's pluses and minuses. There's arguments on both sides of that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that, that's kind of an update when it comes to the Switch. But, uh, uh, but this weekend... Uh, I, I watched a lot. I mean, it's kind of been a. It's been more of a. Well, I'll say from last time we spoke, it's been a lot more of a movie show type week than I've had in a long time. Yeah. Uh, me and my son actually sat down and we watched the Dark Crystal, the original one back from '82. Cool. What did you do? Uh, did you rent it? No, it's actually on Netflix. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of right in line. Yeah. So we sat down. It's a two-hour thing. Uh, the Skeksis, man, they are some freaky dudes. They are. And I thought I made a mistake. I'm oh, like they're going to give nightmares? Yeah. It was yeah. bedtime. We went to bed an hour early. Right. That's basically a two-hour movie. We watched one hour one day, the following hour the, you know, the next day. Yes. And I'm like, man, is he going to want up in bed with me? Much no. to my, my enjoyment. No, he did not. And he actually said he enjoyed it, which I was like, I thought it was a little weird. <laughs> it was definitely 1982 Jim Henson weird as hell. Yeah, he went uh he I mean their that whole production company was super talented and I think he got to a point where they were just a little uh tired of kind of the the typical Muppets fare <laughs> and they really Fraggles. wanted to go for it. Yeah, Fraggles and Muppets and doing all this kid stuff and they really wanted to like bring it to kind of a more mature audience. Um, and when Dark Crystal came out, so that's why like Dark Crystal and the Labyrinth, the Labyrinth came out yeah. pretty close together. They're very similar um, to try to get that feel like we can do more than just you know kind of this simple puppetry. We can really kind of uh, bring something special to the table, which they did. I mean, they have they had a cult following back then, and you I think know, well the uh, the Labyrinth I think pretty much still does. Like I'll stop and watch yeah. the Labyrinth at any point, and that was that was really in all reality that was before us. So oh, the yeah. fact that I mean that we still enjoy that, and I knew nothing of the Dark Crystal. That's kind of why I wanted to watch it. We were probably about your son's age when those came out in the kind of the mid '80s. Yeah, so it's one of those. Uh, yeah, age-wise, it's like I don't know if it was appropriate at the time. It was harder to get a hold of than it is now. Right. So you had to be. There would have been appointment TV watching if you were going to watch it. That's cool that he enjoyed it, though. Yeah, we did that, and uh, I went ahead and I, I purchased Bumblebee. Oh, cool. We have 4K, Dolby, the whole deal. Um, nice. Underwhelmed. Oh, it was, it was your first time seeing it? Yeah, it was my first time seeing it. And it was, uh, I, I definitely felt the whole, you know, the more traditional type of uh, Transformers feel from it. Yeah, for sure. And But I thought it was, I thought it was slow at times. I didn't think it was, you know, as, I, I like big booms. <laughs> well, those Michael Bay movies sure yeah. had some big booms in them. You're right. But, uh, I mean, Bumblebee himself, the way he lost his voice box, the way he was named, the way he learned how to talk through the radio. Yes. Uh, I loved all that. I mean, the movie as a whole I really enjoyed. I just found myself drifting 
Well, if you're coming, if you're coming from a place to where you actually liked those, in my opinion, overstuffed, over visualized Michael Bay movies where they were just nothing but nonstop like buildings crashing and stuff like that, and if that's something you actually enjoyed, I can see why Bumblebee would seem like a really kind of boiled down kind of a essence of a Transformers movie because really there's. As far as Transformers go, there's really like three there's characters. Three. There's, yeah, there's two Decepticons, and then there's Bumblebee. Yeah, and then a smattering of uh, Optimus Prime here and there. Yeah, uh, at, at the very end, I mean, I think only people that are looking for it would find them actually on Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah. But uh, I enjoyed yeah. the potential of it. I enjoyed the story. I, I actually really liked kind of the more simple story to it. Um, and I, I feel like I'm actually hoping that they make more in line with this series. And it takes place maybe like, you know, later in the 80s or early 90s and you catch up with those kind of same characters uh, to see where they're at. And I don't know if they're supposed to actually kind of connect with the Shia LaBeouf <laughs> series or not. Um, but, uh, yeah, I I think they kind of have to. I think they all have to have some type of continuity. I mean, I think yeah. they're all connected. Uh, I wasn't big on them like back in the 80s. Right. And uh, when I was watching this, when they were fighting on Cybertron, I'm like, why is Optimus Prime, why is he basically in his, you know, truck the trailer get up? <laughs> right. It's like, it's before he even came to Earth to get, you know, to copy the trailer, truck the trailer. Yeah. I'm like, why is he, I don't know. I was, that was my one gripe with it. I mean, outside <laughs> of that, I was like, this is kind of odd. That's just me kind of picking at it. But I, I can't answer that for you either. I wasn't a huge Transformers guy. I, you know, I, mean, I was more uh, Masters of the Universe and Thundercats. Yeah, and you're going to get your reprieve on that. Yes, yeah, soon enough. Boy, I can't wait for a trailer for that. <laughs> but uh, that was another movie I ran across. Now, this movie, I no matter where it is in the movie, on cable, on HBO, it doesn't matter. I'll stop. What's the that? Running Man. Oh, the Arnold. Arnold. Yeah, Arnold's The Running Man. I will stop on that in a heartbeat. That's now, funny, because that's like one of his lesser-known, less popular uh, Arnold movies. Yeah, I love that one. And it's just, once again, it's it's booms and fighting. If yeah. If anyone's learning my personality right here, that's my personality. <laughs> I like big booms. The man uh, has simple tastes. I enjoyed <laughs> the Running Man. I, I I think I own that one. Um, it's funny. I I own so many that I sometimes I forget which ones I actually do own and which ones I don't. But uh, that is one of the Arnold ones I have. That and Kindergarten Cop and both Terminators and. Um, but yeah, Running Man was uh, pretty enjoyable. He he really, he almost kind of starts being his classic Arnold with that movie like before that he was like Conan and I you know I think maybe the first Terminator where he didn't do too much and then Running Man he actually kind of starts doing the one liners which he became more and more known for more and more yeah exactly <laughs> but yeah that's one I'll stop at any time to watch and it was kind of one of those that was towards the end already it was basically they already escaped you know the bottom right just getting ready to go after Damon and you know shoot up you know a a studio where no one got hurt and all the bad guys missed and all the good guys hit and <laughs> yeah for anyone unaware not a fan family friendly film yeah no not at all <laughs> but but very very good i'll put it that way yeah we in a very bad ahead. way that that makes it's an horrible movie i put it that way uh did you know that it was actually the running man was based on a stephen king book either a no. book or a short story now the, they took a lot of liberties with that movie to make it, uh, but the you know the premise for like a uh, kind of a game show style where people where it was like life and death and kind of took place in a dystopian future. That's all from the uh, a Stephen King story. What? No, I learned something. There we go. 
The man has his fingers in, in a ton. We'll talk a little bit more about Stephen King, another Stephen King story a little later. Yeah, there's a movie coming out that I'm not sure if you're aware of. You may be. No, yeah, Doctor Sleep. It's a uh, sequel to The Shining, starring Ewan McGregor. Yeah, I'm watching it. And the more I, I mean, I think we talked about this before, about how we didn't feel like the summer movie block, you know, blockbusters were there. Yeah. I think the summer blockbusters are almost going away. If I mean, watching all the previews before the movie today, I feel like the main movie viewing time now is between now and the end of the year. Yeah. You have all the big movies that are coming out. I mean, I mean they're all over the place from... I mean, I'm not a Downtown Abbey fan, but you have letting you know the brand new Rambo coming out. Oh yeah, jo- you have Joker, the new Adams Family, Zombie. I am ex- over the over the top moon excited about uh, Zombieland Double Tap. Yeah, that does. I, look I bought funny. the souvenir cup just to have the damn thing. Today. <laughs> no reason besides just, I just want it. I'm probably gonna throw it away because I can't have like 15 million of these things in the house right. anyway. That's I mean, funny. Have, that trailer was new, really good. Yeah, you have the new Terminator coming out. Uh, Doctor Sleep, Gosh, Frozen right. Two, Jumanji, the new one there. Star That's coming Wars. out before the end of the year, huh? I didn't yeah. realize it was so packed. Yes, I mean that's that's the end of the year. That that is typically what the summer used to be, and then the summer was gone, and we were like very underwhelmed. Right. Well, it, well yeah, it used to be where everything was jam packed in the summer months, and then you know you would get your stuff that would come out around Christmas time, like uh, the Harry Potter movies always came around uh, around November. Um, so there would be like a big flagship title that would release nowhere near the quantity that comes out in the summer. But now that you're listing all these out, I you're right. I can't believe there's there are that many movies to look forward to between now and the end of the year. That's a ton. Yeah, I'll probably be at the theaters a lot more than I than I accustom I'm I'm accustomed to just because all the ones that are coming out. I yeah. was never a huge Rambo fan, but uh, that looks fun. I don't know if you've seen the trailer or I not. I have. Yeah, it looks, looks like, like a good time. It looks like a grown up Home Alone yeah, instead just, of Harry and Marv. It's a bunch of drug dealers, <laughs> drug <laughs> drug cartel, like <laughs> a bunch of explosions and you know guns. Once again, guys. That's uh, me. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that one, though. I enjoyed, um, I'm kind of a under-the-radar Rambo fan. I mean, you know me, and I think you're the same way, where uh, Rocky is our series. Like, yeah. we're so down for the Rocky movies, each and every one, even the Creed movies. Um, but, uh, yeah, Rambo was always kind of the, the lesser Stallone franchise to me, but uh, I've enjoyed them. I thought the last one was good, the one that came out about 10 years ago or so. Um, yeah, but for them to make a, another one where he's like you know at his ranch and it looks like somebody that he he's kind of retired and they're uh, yeah i think they went after his daughter in this one and so he's kind of wrestling he's going all uh oh, what was that one with you you mcgregor was it oh liam neeson you're thinking liam of, neeson. Uh, taken yeah. yeah close you were you got confused between qui-gon jinn and obi-wan <laughs> same franchise just yeah. the wrong person wrong jedi yeah, that's how I thought it looked like a cross between Taken and, and Home Alone. Funnily yeah, enough, yeah, I, mean, I wasn't. I was. There was like no excitement for me like before I seen the trailer here in the theater for Joker. Yeah, but Joker actually looks twisted. Oh, for sure. That's all it, I've heard about that movie. It looks really, really twisted. I'm definitely I mean, gonna go see it. Yeah, I mean, I, I may wait for it to come out. Yeah. I mean, I gotta pick and choose which ones. I've got so many here that I want to see. Right. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, I'm pretty sure if you guys are listening to this, either you're just family and you're being nice, right? Or uh, you are into the 
technology like we are. Right. And uh, Apple had their keynote this past week. They did. We all know what an Apple head you are, so I'm sure you were loving it. Uh, this is actually the first one I actually sat down and, and watched. And if I learned anything really from this one, is Apple is the master of the hype machine. Because, man, they had almost a two-hour keynote here, and it fell flat on me. Oh, really? I mean, there was only one product that they're launching that it's like, okay, you got me. I mean, we're not even talking the watches, the iPads, the phones. This may be the first phone that I'm going to pass on. The 11, the biggest thing with 11 is the price point. They're launching it at $699 rather than the $1,000 price point that the other ones are at. Right. Uh, and outside of that, the chip is different. It's, it's an A13. It's going to process long, you know, faster. They, and they put a, a new camera on there, a wide camera, a 12 megapixel pixel wide camera. Yeah. But, I mean, the camera isn't enough for me to go, hey, my Max camera is terrible, which it's not. I need to go ahead and get this new one where I can actually zoom out and stay exactly where I'm sitting and make it look like it's a wider field. Yeah. I mean, they got the color on it. They actually added what they call, I mean, the Adobe Atmos uh, immersive audio. So, are you watching it from your phone? It's going to sound like it's coming from all across the phone. I don't buy that for a second. And there's no way for them to do it. No. That I mean, unless they're putting speakers all around the phone. That sounds very gimmicky to me. I'm sure I'm sure the speakers are better, but they're not Dolby Atmos. <laughs> yeah, let's, no. Let's not get crazy. They're not 7.1 surround sound. Yeah, n- not at all. So they have that. I mean, literally, they say, they say toughest glass. Yeah, not them, whatever. And Yet then, somehow well, people still seem to break their phones all the time. Isn't that funny? All yeah, this just, tough glass and people are still walking around still, with shattered screens. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let me see. The, then they have the 11 Pro and the 11 Max. Both of them have the OLED uh, you know, screen on it. They call something now as a Super Retina XDR display. Right. It's basically a more... It's a clear and clear. It's as clear as a phone is probably ever going to get. More better, more gooder. Yeah, you're yeah. right. I mean, I I just feel like, and this is something that's been going around in uh, news articles, is just like cell phone technology has somewhat plateaued. Yeah. Like there were such huge advancements over the last you know decade, where year after year it would just get you know you get more and more features, more and more functionality, bigger screens, clearer pictures. And but and the leaps and bounds were you know there year to year and it it made a difference when you bought a phone. There are people out there right now though that are still using Apple's you know iPhone six S plus or whatever. They love it. I and see they it, love all, it. The, all the time. Yeah. They don't want to upgrade because it's like they don't see any features that are out now that makes them want to switch. If anything, they're losing a feature because they lost the um, the uh, audio jack. The yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the button and the auto jack. Some of these people just do not like facial recognition. They right. Have nothing to do with it. They, they feel it's. I'll know, be honest with you. I actually prefer the thumbprint over the uh, facial recognition too. Really. <laughs> well, here's what I run into. Um, you know, I, I have a fairly long commute, and I just kind of stick my cell phone in a little cell phone holder that's kind of on my dash, right? So I can clearly view it if I, you know, or am I switching a song, or if my wife calls me or something. Um, but, uh, yeah, it used to be that if, say, my wife's calling me, I could just go over to it, press the little button with my thumb, and it would unlock for me. I wouldn't have to worry about it. Now, in order to unlock it, I have to, like, awkwardly shove my face in front of the phone while I'm driving. 
and uh, it just makes for a bad experience all around because I'm sure people are looking at me strangely as I'm going down the highway trying like swiveling my head in front of my phone to get it to unlock. <laughs> so stranger than normal. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh, I mean that, I mean that's really in a nutshell what they launched with their phones. I mean some people are, are still going to be lining up. Some people are still going to want you know oh, yeah. a new I mean the telephoto lens, the wide angle lens, uh, the ultra wide angle lens. They're they're gonna want those. I don't. Right. I mean, I, I don't take enough pictures to actually. I don't take. I don't try to take professional pictures. That's what they're going for. Yeah. And professionals aren't using an iPhone for professional pictures. Yeah, it's kind of such a weird market. You're right. I mean, they really go in for everybody to be a professional photographer, but. You're right. People, um, I mean, you can shoot movies on iPhones, and you can do these things, but for anybody that does it seriously... <laughs> they're not, they're not, they're doing it on their other products. Right. They're doing it on their MacBooks. I mean, I mean, that's really, they're not doing it on their phone. And what they were trying, what they're trying to do is make it seamless, but with them trying to make it seamless, they're almost, and, and not even almost, they're not, because they flat out came out and said, finally... That they're releasing new operating systems that are going to act independently of each other. Because right now the iOS systems uh, basically all look the same. So my phone, my iPad are basically essentially the exact same thing. Yeah. And what they re- what they finally announced with the iPad is they're releasing the new iOS system, which will be called iPad OS. And basically the the screen is going to look like a home screen. It's going to be brand new. I mean, they're going to have the slide over features, a swipe from the bottom. There's going to be a floating keyboard. Uh, a new, uh, new fully smart keyboard. They actually said they're going to be actually uh, putting this towards like say schools and things like that, so they can kind of I think get into where say Microsoft kind of has their foot in right now, right? Uh, with schools and the price point. I mean, they're, they're starting to price point at that three twenty nine. So there's a, there's a lot of positives with the iPad, but I've got the three, not yeah. the three. The most I don't know. Uh, it's the most re- most recent one, but it's there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. So there's there's zero reason for me to go out and buy a new iPad. So I was looking at this. I was hoping. I was like, okay, give me a reason to try to con- you know use my sales pitch on my wife. Yeah. To try to get a new Apple product. I said it worked last year. I got the phone. Give me something. Give me give me the one two. So I was holding out hopes. Okay, the phones they fell flat on me. iPads like I don't need it. I just actually I just got the new one. Okay, watch. I've got the three. I've had it for over a year and a half. I'm like, I'm going to be in the market for one. Yeah. Give me a reason. Come on, give me something. And I think with the watch, I mean, they've even came out and said there's a lot of health benefits to it. I think they're actually with the watch, they're kind of direct uh, going down the road of more of like insurance type setups to yes. help you uh, get, say, discounts on your insurance and all that good stuff. I mean, there's a probably a lot going on in the background. Uh, but there's, they went for away from the, the twist your wrist. Mm-hmm. For it to come on. Oh, it's got an always-on display now. Yeah. But they say it's an all-day battery. It's 18 hours. But you know what? My watch here... Yeah? I can go two days without charging it. Oh, interesting. So, I mean, who cares? I mean, a lot of the people that I've talked to that have watches Mm -hmm. don't want the always-on. Right. And they they sell it as, oh, if you're, like, in a meeting, you just want to peek at your watch to see what time it is or... You know, if you're doing yoga because, you know, everyone does yoga uh, and you can't move, you can look at them. Or they show somebody with their arm up, like holding on to a, a bar in a subway and they just can take a peek at it. I mean, we're talking. Well, I mean, they want watches to be like watches. 
because you know you go and buy a twenty dollar watch. Guess what? It has an always on display. <laughs> yeah. But it's not a watch. Right. It's a computer. I mean, I've got my calendar in there. I mean, I've got my. I do it for my text messaging. I mean, I knew what I was buying. I wasn't buying a Rolex. Yeah. Because I mean, for what or I Casio. spent on this, or yeah, whatever brand watch it is. Right. I knew what I was buying. I knew what I wanted. I don't want something that is always there. Now, granted, there are times I'm like crap. Come on, turn on. But more often than not, I'd rather have it off. I'm putting it in theater mode. I want I want features that tie to my phone. Like if my phone has a movie in it, yeah, I want my phone to tell my watch to go into movie mode. And then when the movie is over, because my phone tells my watch, I want it to come out. Right. I don't want to have to physically I have to go in there, turn it on, turn it off. Yes, it's a little lazy, but it's a product from the same company that has the ability to do so. Give me that feature. Well, I just had a second there where I zoned out, and I was just thinking what a third world problem this is. <laughs> no, 100%. <laughs> well, okay, so, okay, the watch didn't do it for you. The new phone didn't do it for you. The iPad's not doing it for you. It, was there anything in the keynote that seemed like it might be worth your time? Dude, I sound like an angry old man. <laughs> but uh, actually, yes. I mean, this And this only a flowery note. Yeah. Uh, they, I think I've hinted this before, and I really didn't have a whole lot of information on it, but uh, Apple is launching what they're calling Apple Arcade. Okay. Which, basically, they're launching it with 100 exclusive games. Uh, basically, it's going to be right in... There's going to be right on the app, thing of the iTunes Store or the App Store, where it's going to have Arcade. Are these games uh, that are, like, already... Like, are these Xbox games or titles that have No, been these out, are going to be exclusive to them themselves. Uh, okay. There's going to be no ads in them. That's good. Uh, and they're actually partnering partnering with some decent-sized companies. For instance, uh, they're doing one called Into the Deep with Capcom. I know which, them, uh, yes. Which, which is, looks pretty good. Uh, they're doing another one called Frogger in Toy Town, and that's by Konami. I'm probably yep, Konami, the yep. Era. And uh, the demos that they showed of those two games look really good. Now, there's another one that I really didn't key on because you still got to buy it, and it's it's basically relying on you getting a new iPad or new iPhone just because of the processor needs to be that A13. Oh, really? So I was like, you know what? Not even concerned with that one. But the other one, see, my son plays them so much, I'm pretty sure your daughter plays the games a lot. Yeah. And seeing that we'll have, you know, that 100 at at launch, uh, there's no ads. I don't have to worry about, you know, getting a new game. When he gets bored with one, hey, we'll just get you a new one. Exactly. And not have to spay that, you know, that 499 or you know, get the copy that actually has all the ads in it. Right. Uh, they're launching that at four ninety nine a month, which, in my opinion, that's it's not bad. Plus, they're giving a month free. Okay. So I'm like, that that that's what finally got me. I was like, okay. And they actually started with that. So they started with me with a, at a high. Right. <laughs> and then they just kept chopping me down. By the time you were at the phones, I was like, man, I'm just I'm I'm over this. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm gonna check out the Apple Arcade just to see what it's like. Um, if it impresses me off the bat, then five bucks a month is well worth it. And uh, if not, then you know, uh, yeah, I just won't continue it. But uh, seems cool enough. Another five dollar a month price point I'm looking at here is uh, the actual Apple TV service which comes a lot lower than I think uh, what people and experts were expecting it to be. I heard some folks even say that it would be up to about $50 a month. I don't I mean, that's you know, about 10% of that. <laughs> yeah, no, there's no way they can come in at that price point. Yeah. But yeah, that was, I mean, underwhelming as well. I mean, they've got some shows on there. They're, they're kind of coming out with some names. For instance, C, uh, there's uh, Momoa, 
Jason Momoa, yeah, he's Jason in this. Uh, you were talking about it a little earlier. See, I guess it takes place in a future where um, people have lost their ability to see, right? Yeah, I mean, they basically they looked at it as, if I understand the concept of the trailer, was that they were being punished uh, mm-hmm. for you know for things that have happened in the past, and the you know the god gods uh, removed their their ability to see and then mm-hmm. there was Jason Momoa's kids that were born so two kids that actually had vision they were able to see again so the whole concept is that you know Jason Momoa and his group are trying to protect the kids against the other groups that see them as you know as evil as evil returning right right another show and I did watch the trailer for this for all mankind it looks to be I mean, it start, It got me from the start. Uh, it looks v- like very high production value. It looks like it could be a feature film as far as the cinematography and the special effects. Uh, but essentially, it looks to be a story of uh, our first moon landing on the 60s. Uh, but the trailer kind of throws you for a loop to where you're expecting, you know, Neil Armstrong to come out and land on the moon. And apparently it's a cosmonaut instead. So in this story, um, the the Russians land on the moon first, and it's a story of us trying to uh, kind of claw our way back and, and win the space race um, after that. So it's kind of an alternate reality. I'm not sure how I feel about that, because there have been other um, shows like that that kind of really haven't captured my imagination. I think there's one on Amazon for a bit where, you know, what if the Germans won World War II and, you know, Nazi flags flew over the U.S.? Like, uh, it's interesting for maybe a movie. I don't know if I'd be interested in watching an entire series, series yeah. like that. Uh, or an episode of Sliders. <laughs> yeah, wow. Sliders. Uh, I haven't had a reference to that for a while. That's a deep pool. Uh, show back from the late 90s starring Jerry O'Connell. Look it up. One of my favorites. But, uh, uh, yeah, I just, you know, it, it looks really good. It looks uh, well-crafted and well-made. And I'm sure the acting is very dramatic and good. Uh, um, but you're right, it wasn't quite enough to be like, well, I, you know, take my money, I can't wait to see it. Yeah, not like The Mandalorian. Oh, yeah, well, that's Star Wars. That's like cheating. <laughs> <laughs> they can make something crappy in Star Wars, and I'd be like, well, I get, I'll still watch it. Here's my money, you know, <laughs> like it or not. <laughs> yeah, but uh, there was that, then there was um, The Morning Show, where they've got Steve Carell and Jennifer Aniston in, it's basically just the... Um, yeah, the think, morning wars and all that, and it, I think it's kind of a take on almost like a comedy or a drama. Um, where, yeah, you're right, the kind of behind the scenes, almost like the Larry Sanders show on HBO back in the day, but it's behind the scenes of an actual of a morning show. Uh, we're huge Steve Carell fans in this house because my wife uh, watches The Office constantly, and uh, so we're huge fans of that. But uh, I don't know, a lot of these seems like they, they would make better movies than actual TV shows. Well, I tell you what. I mean, it's almost like the arcade where I'm gonna I'm gonna drop my five bucks for that first month to check out the content, and if it doesn't grab me, then I just won't continue. There'll be no it. reason to continue with it. Yeah, you know, Netflix has my money month in month out. I think because it's just of the sheer volume that they put out. Now, I, a lot of that stuff, granted, I do not watch, but they throw enough stuff out there. That every time where I actually turn it on, say I haven't gone on Netflix in a week or two, I'll usually find something new on there where it does pull me in and it is pretty interesting. And I'll at least watch the trailer or an episode or two for it. Um, but uh, yeah, I, Apple hasn't really shown uh, a ton of content here. I mean, they're kind of banking on these very few shows 
and banking on people that being enough for for people to kind of spill five dollars a month on and i'm not sure they're there yet yeah no i mean a lot of people are if they do originally it's gonna be the you know apple heads kind of like myself like you know what they do everything else great we've got to at least give them an opportunity to try this If if they fail they fail but i mean I mean, it's everyone's trying it. So yeah. we knew Apple was going to try it. It was just how successful are going to be when they do it. Yeah. Well, jury's out. The, the services start on November first, so uh, we will know as of that date uh, what it looks like and um, you know whether or not we'll we'll keep keep subscribing to it. And they're actually, I think, beating Disney Plus to the market. They are by uh, just under two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's pretty. Um, that's pretty neat. We'll have something new to check out even before Disney rolls around. But uh, yeah, we've gone into I think you know this Apple keynote really as deeply as we can go into. We mean we pretty much know my my opinion on a lot of it. I wish I was I was a little more positive <laughs> about it, but we know your old negative opinions about it. Yeah, old grumpy old man over here. Yeah, we're gonna start having a, its own little segment. What is Chris grumpy about today? <laughs> you guys can't see, but Chris was shaking his fist the entire time as he was talking to, about all these Apple products. That is awesome. <laughs> well, how about on to something a little more creepier and you know a little more? We can have a little more fun talking about. So heads up, everybody! If you haven't seen it, Chapter Two, we're gonna go ahead and go full spoiler in it. We're not even gonna go you know lightly into it. Yeah, we'll probably- we ain't got no time for uh, no non-spoilers. We're jumping right in. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit one, a little bit two, because me and Sean really haven't talked about one a whole lot. Uh, but that's really the only non-spoiler you're going to get about this. So uh, bail out now if you want to. Okay. If you're still with us, we're, we're continuing to talk about uh, It, Stephen King's It. So let's get a little bit of your background first, because you saw the first one recently for the first time. Um, have you seen the old one from the early 90s with Tim Curry, the made-for-TV one? No, so this was uh, the one a couple weeks ago, the the first one here. Yeah. I was making, uh, what, 17, I think it was? Yeah. That was my first actual exposure to the franchise as a whole. Right. What did you and think of like, the first movie? I enjoyed it. It was, the length I thought was perfect. I thought, you know, the building of the characters worked perfectly for me. Because I got to the point where I was enjoying the characters. Yeah. And there was actually one guy, one kid. Gee. Is it Richard? Yeah. Yeah. But every time he's going in there, he's talking. He's like, F that, F this. You know, <laughs> I slept with your mom. You know, all this stuff. I'm yeah. like, I, I'm laughing so hard inside. But I'm like, man, I'm having a hard time connecting the two here. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I really liked about the story as a whole. I read, um, with anticipation of the movie coming out in September of 2017, I actually listened to the audiobook. I think I listened to it through uh, two times, actually, before that movie came out. Uh, just because I hadn't, you know, I knew of the um, Tim Curry version from when we were kids, but that was about it, and I loved the actual book. Um, now, the book is structured to where you'll have the intermixed stories of when they're, these main characters, the Losers Club, are both kids and 27 years later when they're adults. It's not broken up in, you know, exactly half to where you read the kids' version, then the adults' version. It's all intermixed. But I found that to be one of my favorite things about it. It almost felt like, um, you know, besides just kind of the creepy... Um, you know, it portions of it. The the rest of it almost felt like a Goonies or a Stand by Me, with just like these kids and talking about their lives and being bullied and kind of finding each other to to find strength and and just being around each other. And I I thought that portion of the story, all their distinct personalities, like you said, like Richie being just kind of a joker and. <laughs> 
Yeah, he was great in that movie. And uh, funny enough, Finn Wolfhard, the the kid who plays Richie in that movie, and he's also uh, a you know character in Stranger Things. Um, they were doing press um, interviews when the first one came out. And, of course, you know, everybody knows the story structure, and eventually grown-up versions of these kids would have to be cast in the sequel, right? So, of course, all the interviewers, they were asking them, well, uh, you know, who would you like to play you in the movie, right, or in the next movie? And they kind of went down the line and gave some answers. The, uh, Be- the kid who played Beverly, she actually said Jessica Chastain because she knew that she was in a, a, a previous movie with Andy Muschietti, who... who directed these movies and she fit that role really good in, the, in chapter two yeah she did uh, the, the casting has been spot on for the kids and the adults i felt um but yeah fun, funnily enough the kid who played richie finn wolfhard he said actually he said bill Hader. i want bill Hader to play me and bill had no idea until his agent called him when they were making the sequel he was like, yeah, do you know this kid? He wants you to play um, the grown-up version of him in this movie. And uh, I was like, no, I didn't. I didn't know that. This kid's like a major Hollywood player, apparently. And, uh, yeah, he got the job. And one of the things, we'll talk about the sequel here, but one of the things that people are really talking about is Bill Hader's performance. I'm a huge fan of his anyway, even uh, from the, his first days on SNL. I don't know if you know much of Bill Hader, but he's been in a ton of things. Um, he was in Hot Rod and... Just a ton of other movies. Yeah, I knew him immediately. I, you know, the minute I seen him, I was like, okay, I, I recognize you, but I couldn't yeah. pinpoint and say where I knew him from, per, per se. Yeah. So you enjoyed the first movie. The kids were cool. You liked Richie. Um, I loved the whole concept. I mean, it was a there was enough that it wasn't it wasn't I wouldn't say it's scary. The first one, it was more kind of had that creepy vibe to it. And if you don't like clowns, you're gonna be terrified. Oh yeah. But I mean, you know, Pennywise, the whole weirdo thing about it, and it's. I felt it was I, scary enough, like, scary enough for adult. Like, if you're a serious horror genre, like Tycoon, where that's your thing, definitely not scary enough. No, I found it was more suspense Yes. than scary. And if you are a kid that is like the Losers Club age, you know, like a 10, 11-year-old kid. Oh, you'll be terrified. Oh, yeah. Spot that, on. You I mean, you won't be going to no Halloween haunted, you know, <laughs> experience that has anything to do with clowns this, uh, this Halloween. Yeah, it's perfection. So, okay, so you enjoyed the first one. You and I were big, uh, you know, fans of that movie. I think well, we feel the same way. Let's talk about this real quick. This was my one gripe about the movie, and it was kind of a part of the ending. Yeah. So, and this is kind of what I didn't understand. It was, you know, his thing was, it's time for you to float. Mm-hmm. So they go in there, and uh, Beverly, I mean, she's up there, she's floating. They get her down. All the other kids that are floating come down. Yeah. What happens to the rest of those kids? Some those of kids them, are dead, they, dude. Were they, were they all dead? They were all dead. Okay, it didn't. It really didn't. I, that's kind of what I thought. But then, why was she not dead? He's if almost. She, he's almost like a uh, like a like a spider. He's like a like a being. You know, a spider kind of plays with its food and kind of traps a fly and maybe lets it there. Maybe eats it right away. Maybe doesn't. He's been doing this so long that uh, he just kind of plays with his food. He likes the fear. He feeds off the fear as much as he feeds off their flesh or whatever. Okay. So he keeps these kids around. Sometimes he toys with them. Sometimes he doesn't. But, yeah, all those kids that you saw floating up towards the that the top light or whatever, I'm sure some of them were probably dismembered. Some of them were not entirely there. Or they may have just died from floating all that time, even if they he didn't 
you know, eat them right away. Maybe they died of starvation just because they were floating. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Bev, I don't think Beverly was there very long. I think maybe she was there for a day by the time the actual the losers actually got to her. So, yeah, there was that. Then okay, then kind of give me a little bit of this here. Now this is kind of going into the new one here. Uh, so heads up. Yeah. But Henry Bowers actually was flushed out of there, and he was still alive. Right. When it looked like he was taken just like before. Then he went back to you know to his head dad's house and you know they they took him for basically killing Daddy Boo. Well, there was kind of a, a, a strange edit. So in the first one, he was terrorizing the Losers Club. They were down yeah. in that well, and he had just um, kind of attacked um, young Mike um, in in that area with the nail gun and stuff. And he ended up getting pushed down the well, and he fell down the well. Oh, that's right. He fell. He wasn't taken by Pennywise. He fell he, beyond where they actually left on the side of the well. And it seemed like a pretty long fall. Like, maybe you would assume that he would have died. But it's the same way in the books, where he terrorizes them as a kid, and he survives, and he grows up to be a mental patient and going after them in the book. too. So it's, it totally plays just the way it does in the book. Okay. I'm kind of halfway, you know, tempted to go ahead and get the book. But finding the time to squeeze that into my stores, and you know, time is. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. It's a long audiobook too. But uh, yeah, so let's go into let's go into uh, you know this one it's here where, where it two. starts up. Yeah, uh, and they actually start on like each individual character, so you get a lot of like what's happened. Yeah, you know, from when the last one, basically that twenty-seven year period of time. Right. It kind of fills in, I won't say it fills in the gaps, but it gives you what they've done, you know, what they've accomplished in their life. You know, you know, Richie, you know, being the comedian now, and uh, Bev, you know, getting together with another guy that seemed like to me very, very similar to her father. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, those, those themes uh, are in the book, too, yeah. So, I mean, so it's just kind of getting into all that. And then when uh, Mike, yeah, Mike, who stayed behind, right, actually calls him. And then their reaction. At first, you're like, okay, who? Who, who are yeah. you? It's been how long? Oh, you know, nice to hear from you. Then he tells them, okay, he kind of fools them into coming back. Yeah. He doesn't actually get, you know, full truth uh, all the way into it with them. That's then, one That's one part of the movie where they didn't really go into a ton of detail. But uh, in the book, they, they essentially have amnesia where... The further away they got from Derry and the town, the the more hazy and cloudy those memories of when they were kids got to the point where they almost forgot where they originated from. They were just kind of in their adult lives and everything else was very hazy. Um, Now, it could be just, you know, they're away from the town's influence because the town itself is somewhat evil and cursed from it landing there millennia ago, right? Um, Or it could be uh, a mechanism by it itself. Maybe he, you know, he didn't want these kids to remember because, you know, from the first one, he he felt fear for the very first time because these kids fought back. And he was, that's how he was defeated the first time around. So maybe he made their memories a bit hazy. Be like, yeah, why don't you guys just stay away so I can keep feeding in this town? Yeah. But then, I mean, I I think kind of what works against that theory though is he says it's been 27 years and he can't stop thinking about them you know, yeah yeah the end of the movie yeah and that's interesting because that's the way um bill skarsgård who's the actor who played it in in both installments he he kind of came up with the idea that he it, you know he's kind of of two minds where he hates these kids these children for what they did to him and I keep saying him, but it's you know it's it it's it's not a it's not a man or a woman it's it's an it it's an, like a cosmic entity. But 
yeah, he's also drawn for the fact like he wants them to come back for not only revenge, but uh, you know he t- he those kids made him feel something new last time around. He's been around for thousands of years and he experienced something new and he, it's almost like he wants to experience it again uh, so there's a there's two parts like he wants to kill them but he also is just like kind of like tantalized by them or intrigued by them so he, like he can't wait for them to come back so he can do it all over it's kind of like a challenge like they got to me the first time it, well, yeah you know one nothing them and want exactly. to see if i can you know even the even the score so that's kind of the reason why you know, you may wonder why he doesn't just kill them, because he's like this all-powerful cosmic entity, right? I mean, he could just make them kill themselves, or kill them, or become whatever. But he toys with them. Like I said, he's almost like a giant spider, where he, he likes to play with them. He likes to rise the fear in them to, to really kind of feed off well, that's that. that's kind of what happened to Stan Lee. Yeah. Stan Lee, I mean, he, he knew. And, I mean, even, which is kind of creepy, Bev seen what he did he she knew when she was talking to i guess his wife on the phone yeah she knew how he died yeah i could tell that she knew when they did that opening uh, when they kind of redid the opening where the kids were out by the lake and um talking to each other while they made their promise where they cut their hands Mm -hmm. um they kind of added to that scene where beverly i guess saw visions in the deadlights when she was stuck floating and in that trance so she saw visions of all their futures and I think, you know, Stanley at that point, he was like, well, what do I, you know, what am I like in the future? And she basically gives an answer like, well, you're like you, only taller. Like, she lies because she knows that he doesn't He's make it. He's not coming back, yeah. Yeah, in the book, it's more about his fear of just not being able to do this again. And well, that's kind of how they played it out at the end with that letter. They were like, he knew he couldn't do it. He was, he would be, he was too scared to come back and do it again. I mean, if he was there... He would have been the weak, you know, the weak link in the group. So he took himself off the board. Yeah, that suicide note really kind of glazed a, a happy uh, rose-tinted glasses over the whole thing, though. That suicide note was not in the book. Um, the only part that you hear of Stanley is that he, you know, killed himself in the bathtub and drew it in blood on the wall. And just like like that's this is why I'm checking out, folks, because I just can't do this. It was a little more, a little more horrific, a little more tragic, a little more like, oh wow, this is some really scary stuff we're about to get into. And while the movie, it kind of like, oh, here's a letter from Stanley before he did that, and the reason why, and it's very almost like, very kind of light, and oh, I, I did this in a heroic way to sacrifice myself so you guys could you know be better and it was was a little light in tone than i I think the book really kind of played on yeah i mean the movie itself i mean i didn't like how the movie started though i mean we can kind of get into that the whole carnival scene and the two guys and the you know the kids beating the crap out of them and tossing them over the bridge yeah i didn't think really any of that was needed i mean that was just kind of i mean they could have started this whole thing off just going right into one of the characters rather than you know playing off two characters that that's, you know, it wasn't necessary in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, that's from the book as well. Uh, that's the reason that Oh, that Steven... wasn't something they just added to the movie? That was something pulled from the no, book? No, that's definitely from, from the book. Um, Stephen King, his whole impetus for writing the story of It and about this town that's almost um, like an evil town where, where people kind of look the other way is because uh, there was a hate crime where um, a gay kid was beaten to death um, in his hometown in Maine. 
and it inspired him to write a story about a town where you know kind of people look the other way while horrendous things go on so that was kind of the impetus in the generation oh, okay so that's kind of what i'm spawned on the book itself yeah and in addition to that um there is kind of the which was only subtext in the book and something that i never caught on to but uh, the relationship with uh, Richie and Eddie um, to where it might have been, they might have been more than friends, or at least Richie had feelings for Eddie. I don't know if they were ever reciprocated, but they play a lot more on that in this movie to where that was a possibility. It's very, they don't get into it at all in the book, but there is that, it's definitely there. There's a connection the there that's beyond the connection of just the Losers Club. Yeah, and I think so. So adding that um, scene in the beginning, it does a couple of things. I mean, it shows you that it's back, of course. Like, yeah. You know, he's you see he's him gone. carrying them off, and yeah. So that's a scary scene, in and as it is, you you get to kind of be reintroduced into the awfulness of of Derry, Maine, for just how like mean and like just you know just awful people. It was kind of. Kind I mean, honestly, it was it was off putting. <laughs> that's yeah. kind of how I felt when I, at the beginning of the movie. And I don't blame you, because I felt the same way, but I, I, that's honestly what they were going for. They wanted the reality of the situation to where this would be very off-putting if you were watching this in real life, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, so it does two things. It reintroduces the, the horrific aspects of not only it, but the town of Derry itself. But then it also kind of lays the tracks for this other story with Richie and Eddie to where you can see why, you know, Richie would not have felt safe to be himself if he had these feelings growing up as a kid uh, you know for boys you know they added that scene with finn wolfhard where the boys made fun of him hardcore and you know called him faggot or whatever and mm -hmm. um you know that sort of thing you could see why you know richie was afraid of clowns but richie's real fear was actually like being himself or like opening up that part of himself so when he comes back to the town and he's back with eddie who he may have had feelings for as a kid and he's back with all these people. That's what the clown Pennywise really directs himself toward. He's like, you know, I know your secret, uh, that kind of thing. Oh, you know what? I didn't didn't Did even that go over your head. Okay, yeah. yeah, that was. And at the very end, um, you see him. You see Bill Hader, or you know, older Richie. He goes back to that covered bridge, and he's he finishes. You see earlier, it's Finn Wolfhard, and he puts R. He starts, you know, carving yeah. R into you know the what? wood. Yeah, he put the yeah the H back there, and he, and he put uh, E for Eddie. Oh, E, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of what tells you that uh, there was more going on there. Whether they actually had some sort of relationship when they were kids like that, and Eddie, you know, was cool with it, or if there was just this like unrequited, you know, love and confused feelings that Richie had as a kid, and he just never could express it. But it's, it's very kind of layered, and um, I, I thought it was appropriate for the story. But I will give you this. The movie itself, it is long. <laughs> it was, an, I'd say, almost an hour long. Yeah. I mean, movie horror movies themselves are like an hour and a half. And this is just under three hours. It's like I mean, two we, hours and 50 minutes. They could have kept it just to the Losers Club. They didn't have to add the new kids disappearing, the kid that you know lives in uh, the uh, Bill's new old house. Yeah. Uh, the new little girl that was underneath the bleachers. Right. We didn't have to add all that extra content. That there was adding length uh, to the movie by itself, which it didn't need the extra length. 
And I tell you what, I really liked the movie, but there were certain points where I was kind of, I had that feeling where I needed to check my watch, like, how much this movie is left? <laughs> Which is I not hit, good for a movie. Yeah, I hit that about the two-hour mark. Yeah. And I still, well, we had another 50 minutes roughly left. And I'm like, man, this is, I, I just, it's starting to feel, feel long. I mean, I, right. the storyline, I mean, I kind of, I was, I was still into the movie, but I'm like, man, it's just, okay, what more, what more can they get into? What more can they do? Uh, they keep on, you know, I mean, you have Billy's character looking in, you know, the sewers again and falling for that. I mean, I mean, come on. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear you there. Um, so all in all, I enjoy, I thought both movies were really well done. I do prefer the first over the second uh, because of, like I said earlier, it almost reminds me like a Goonies or a Stand By Me. It kind of draws more of those nostalgic uh, movies or feelings for me. Uh, but I did think the casting was awesome. I thought the actors that they got to play the kids, I thought the original actors that played those kids were awesome. Uh, I thought the directing was awesome. I thought Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise, he is just really creepy and cool. You know that thing he does with his eyes, where his eyes kind of go in different directions? Yeah. Uh, he oh, does he can that. Physically, did he actually do that? That's not a special effect. Oh, like, yeah. That's, that's he, he does that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I thought that as far as Stephen King... Uh, um, Stephen King adaptations go. This is one of the like top notch, very close to the book, and the things that they added were uh, were fairly beneficial. And I, I will be, even though I said that this second installment ran kind of long. I'm actually looking forward to any sort of cut that the director Andy uh, Muschietti does in the future, where he kind of combines the two. Um, that would be cool for me. Yeah, no, I enjoy it. Enjoyed it wholeheartedly. I mean, like I said, the only thing, the only knock I really had on it was just the length. Yeah. I mean, if someone like myself is going into it just new into the franchise, that can be the main trip up for almost anybody. Yeah. Going into a theater, sitting in there for three hours. I mean, it's hard sitting into a, a theater, even see, say, for instance, the Lord of the Rings series. You knew oh, it was yeah. going to be long. You're already committed to the first two. You want the last one. You know it's going to be a three-hour movie. Yeah. Uh, it's even hard to get through one of those. But... uh I mean, there were scenes in this movie that I, I loved. I loved when they all got back together and they're in a Chinese restaurant and they're all sitting around the table and they're all eating and, you know, spit-firing all the old stories and the whole deal and going back and forth. And all of a sudden, the, the freakiness starts happening with the, you know, the fortune cookies. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, there were some scenes that were really kind of just like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I mean, as a whole, I mean, I, I loved how they kind of went, they had to go and do their own thing. Yeah. So they had to go back and find their individual thing, or when they were when they got that fight, and they all kind of separated for that short period of time. Right. Uh, when Bev had to go back to the you know, her old apartment, and she ran into that creepy old lady, and she found out that you know. Yeah, what, that whole was, scene was cool too. Yeah, that was yeah that was <laughs> that was something, uh, and the uh, the fort underground, which was a uh, which was pretty awesome. Yeah. So yeah, there, there was a there was a lot about the movie. I mean, story wise, character building world building it was all top notch how did you feel when you found out in the second one that it was uh not like an actual clown but like this cosmic being that that landed there in dairy thousands of years ago <laughs> like this alien <laughs> uh i mean it it was kind of it wasn't too shocking because it had to be something yeah i mean it was it's not a, a you know a normal clown that's working at the circus right I mean, that was a given so the fact that you know, native, you know, native people went ahead and fought him once before. Uh, apparently, they didn't win. Uh, right. They died. We didn't figure that out to the end when we found out that Mike wasn't being truthful. 
But uh, I, I'll, I'll let you in on a little something. So that last part, this uh, this uh, ritual of chewed that they did, right? Um, yeah. And they end up defeating him by, I don't know, calling him names and kind of bullying him. I wasn't a huge fan of that. <laughs> it was like, oh, you're nothing but a clown. Oh, you stink. Oh, you're terrible. And he started shrinking to the size of a baby. And it was like, oh, no. <laughs> I wasn't a huge fan of that, how they actually killed him. In the um, in the book, it's way different. It's Bill actually going into the deadlights, but he stays conscious with this history of Jude. And so he gets hit with the deadlights, and um, he goes in that trance, and he sort of goes on to another plane of existence where he fights Pennywise, like, on that plane of existence. And you realize that Pennywise, like, was jealous of this other cosmic creature that was, like, this uh, turtle. And uh, this turtle, like, gives Bill strength to, like, defeat uh, it. And it's way trippier in the book than it is in the movie. Does and it's become it's, a ninja? <laughs> no but almost like that it's kind of funny um but no he just gave him like all this um you know this positive energy power almost like you know if it was this cosmic creature of darkness and evil and scariness and fear then this turtle type creature was like all light and hope and you know all the good stuff right Dota so, had to cut out a lot of meat of this movie to put that in there and there's no way it would have flew because there's i don't know no if i would have bought it i bought more of the uh, I mean, I'm confident. I'm, you know, I'm it. No one's scared of me. And when they were right. not, no longer scared and no longer like, giving him the fear, yeah. And they were like coming at him, him starting to get scared. I bought, I, I think I'd buy that a little bit more than the I'm going into, you know, the third realm to go ahead and fight <laughs> with a turtle. Um, yeah, it's uh, there's no way they'll ever be able to do it, I don't think, on screen. But I'll, I'll say in the book, it, it made more sense than you could even put it in a movie, I'm sure. Okay, so that's that's going to be a book I'm going to go ahead and get. Uh, I'll probably have to listen to it in pieces. Oh, yeah. But, uh, that would be, that's definitely a gift for me. Definitely since I have an Audible subscription, I get a, an actual credit you know, monthly. Yeah. Uh, there isn't a book that comes out monthly for my Star Wars fix. So. Right. So well, it's always every now and then I get one that's not Star Wars related. But I think that's, uh, you've been talking a while here. We're uh, marathoning this uh, this conversation. I, I think well, we've, we've talked about all we can talk about. I think we have. So uh, real quick, uh, we have you know a few things to get out there. I mean, I have the Cincinnati Comic Expo coming up. Uh, one of my buddies, uh, Ali, is going to be joining me cool. uh, to go down there. So him, uh, my son... We're going to go down there, take a bunch of pictures, do some FaceTime Live, you know, just kind of get out there. I went ahead and I purchased my hardback po- copy of Ready Player One to go ahead and get Will Wheaton signed. So I'm kind of pumped about that. Awesome. So that all that stuff's going to be up on our uh, our Facebook uh, account. So I'll be putting things up there, keeping it up. Uh, I know you will be out of town, so maybe you'll have some stories, you know, some bachelor party stories that you can share with us the following week. Uh, maybe. I'm going to that, uh, I don't know if it's Willis Tower or the old Sears Tower or whatever tower in Chicago where you actually look out over the ledge and it's all made oh, of glass. Oh, is that the glass floor? Yes, I'm doing that. Oh, awesome. <laughs> so I might have to try to, uh, you know, live video that or, or something. Yeah, yeah, go ahead and do that. If you can, if you can do that, put it out there, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, I mean, my email's out there. It's chris at uh, dadnarock.com, and yours is out there at? Sean, S-H-A-U-N, at dadnarock.com. And uh, we went ahead, and I am, we are out there now on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and soon-to-be iHeartRadio. So if you want to find us, we're out there. And, uh, well, go ahead and forward that on. We would uh, enjoy getting anyone new. 
Uh, like I said, our emails are out there as well, so shoot us an email. Let us know how bad we are, how good we are. Like we said before, we'll take any type of compliment or negative negativity. That's right. Just talk to us. <laughs> exactly. We're, we, all we do is talk to each other once a week. We need to talk yeah, to somebody. Yeah, please. Else. I'm sick of this guy. We're sick of each other. But uh, I think it's a good sign, uh, a good spot here to go ahead and say uh, the Dad in the Rock podcast is, is uh, signing off. Good night, everybody. See ya.